Hey, what's happening? This is Behind Enemy Lines. It's Wednesday, November 17th, about 3.45 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Not too long ago, the Kyle Rittenhouse jury went home for the day. It was pretty active, other than the jury starting their deliberations and having some questions about video, which seems pretty uneventful. Um, the prosecution might have really stepped in it. I think there is, I would say, a decent chance that this judge might declare the trial a mistrial with prejudice, and uh, that would be great for Rittenhouse. It doesn't end things forever if the prosecution, if the district attorney wants to try it again. I think they still can, even though it's a mistrial with prejudice. But this judge has been strenuously warning the prosecution a numerous, you know, numerous times throughout the trial. We'll talk about it. We'll take a step back. I've looked at a few legal experts, some analysis from people that I like. Most have gone from being pretty certain that Kyle would be acquitted to now they're on the fence. And that's concerning. Um, and we'll get into why. This is all the reading of tea leaves still, right? Nobody knows the dynamic of that jury and what's going on as they close the door, go into deliberations for hours on end. Who knows what's what it's really about? We'll look at some of the indicators and try to interpret it. But even though it's been what seems like two days, it has been a total of seven and a half hours of deliberation, right? Because they today went in and looked at video. The judge, after some consideration, decided that they needed to be in the courtroom with no one else, just in presence of the judge, to watch the video that the jury request, requested to rewatch, which to me makes perfect sense. Regardless of which way they're leaning, that's being thorough. This is a massive case. But before we get into Rittenhouse, we'll talk about a few other things going on. First of all, another poll. Actually, I got two here on Joe Biden. It's devastating, in more so than what we've seen regarding approval, which has dwindled down to around 38%. I mean, that's low at a record level for a president, especially early on when they have kind of a honeymoon, can sign executive orders, get support from the party, and get some wins, especially after going overseas. The guy just can't do it. This poll from Politico Morning Consult, I mean, Politico's pretty left-leaning, voters have increasing doubts about the health and mental fit fitness of President Joe Biden, the oldest man ever sworn into the White House, according to a new Politico, Politico Morning Consult poll. Only 40% of voters surveyed agreed with the statement that Biden is in good health. 40%, so 6 out of 10 people polled, don't think the president is in good health. So we, we, that is, I, this is more devastating than approval, disapproval to me. Six out of 10 surveyed by Politico, which will, this, this sample group, whatever it was, it's probably about 1200 people, definitely has more Democrats. That's always the case by at least six to 7% Democrats majority in these polls, always as people identify as Democrats. And um, here's another, that 10-point gap. 
So, um, no, this the way this goes. So, forty percent surveyed agreed that Biden is in good health, while fifty percent disagreed. And then there's a ten point gap outside the polls' margin of error represents a massive twenty nine point shift since October twenty twenty. So, this has gone twenty nine percent in the wrong direction for Joe Biden a year ago. Since a year ago, they've asked this question before. Um, back then, when the morning consult surveyed the question and found voters believed Biden was in good health by a 19-point margin. Right now, the majority say he's not 50 to 40. So there must have been 10% that just didn't know, whatever. Um, But that's a huge shift, right? It was 19% agreeing that Biden is good health, a 19% lead. Now, they have gone from being 19 up to 10% down, hence the 29-point shift. Had to talk myself through that. Now, Politico. Ask whether Biden is mentally fit. Voters are almost evenly split. 46 saying he is. 48% disagreeing. Interesting. So good health versus mental. A few people, I mean, as the poll goes on, some people are like, okay, he's probably not as spry as he is, but they don't want to double down and say he's decrepit and out of his mind, which I think is both. I mean, again, he jogged to the podium a few times during the campaign. That isn't holding for Joe Biden. Uh, this is this is brutal. The new polling comes amid questions about whether Biden, who turns 79 on Saturday, will run for re-election in three years. Right now, and we might have time for this, not only do I not think Biden will run for re-election, for the first time, I'm more certain that Kamala Harris will not be the nominee for the Democrats. And that will just create all hell way beyond what they're already experiencing on the left. If Kamala, who she's going to try, gets snubbed, like she gets snubbed at events now, if if the Democrats snub her, the feminists, I mean, they are going to freak out. None of them will ever admit that Kamala Harris is just a dippy loser. They can't. They invested too much in her stunning, fabulous rise to power as the shoe-in for VP. They expected it. How dare you not make it so? Well, they got themselves in this mess. They got to ride with the one they brought. And that's what they're going to do. And it's going to be ugly when primary season comes for the 2024 presidential election. And if we have time, we'll talk about a list I saw from Fox. Someone did a great job. Five reasons why Kamala won't be the Democrat nominee for the 2024 presidential election. So this is this is getting nasty. And, and it's obvious Biden's staff can't stand her or her staff. That's been clear. CNN talked about it. So it's it's ugly. It's Biden's struggling, and I guarantee you those people are convinced that Kamala's hurting him. I don't know. I don't know if anybody could help Joe Biden as a vice president. I don't know how much it helps any president at all. I think it's always just a bit of an afterthought who the vice president is. It's down to the two top dogs running for the office, and I think that is the case for the top dog who wins. And that's the problem with Joe Biden is no one believes he's running the show. Well, Kamala Harris certainly isn't either. Um, Moving on to another story. It's a footnote, but it's a big deal. Um, Not for the people who want insurrection convictions for the January 6th Capitol riot. And it's interesting. Every word means something. So when you look at the titles of stories over a given time, you see a change from the left, almost always. It goes from extreme 
to something closer to moderation as results start happening. So early on when someone's in trouble, like Kyle Rittenhouse, like Donald Trump, the, the leftist media, which is most of the press, will be the most extreme they can get away with in attacking a conservative or someone who aligns with Trump or someone who aligns right. They will use frivolent terms, white supremacists, insurrection. These White supremacists is a word that our president, after being elected, Joe Biden, used in reference to Kyle Rittenhouse, which is to say shameful would be an understatement. But now remember the QAnon shaman. Right, the guy in the Davy Crockett looking gear, tattoos, just a just an odd dude with his megaphone, pretty peacefully walking around the Capitol building and getting a lot of laughs. Well, he was sentenced to 41 months in prison for his role. And the prosecution went after him, and I would have done the same if I'm the attorney trying to put him away, painting him as the main, one of the main instigators, right? And his name's Jacob Chansley. He went by some other name. I might see it again in the story. But he was charged and tried as with his birth certificate named Jacob Chansley and gained a lot of fame. But this guy, it didn't take long. He's the one that wanted vegan food, which made me really suspect from the get-go. But this supposed right-winger is a QB, and um, he took a big hit. His charge was a felony, but it had nothing to do with insurrection. So it's interesting This is a a story from CNN Politics. QAnon shaman Jacob Chansley sentenced to 41 months in prison for role in U.S. Capitol riot. Not insurrection, right? Not act of war, not attack. Okay, this was a, this is an insurrection unofficially for all of these people who are trying to keep themselves freaked out about this issue. And it's only because Trump didn't, you know, um, distance himself early enough, which I disagree. No one knew what was happening live. And of course, they want to try to, this is all about getting him. So the more they can get charges and convictions for the people that were there, the better it is to keep the story alive, the better they think their chances are of getting Trump on something will be. But think about it. When I was talking about language, it's all changing, right? We're seeing the legal consequences, which are no joke. And Chansley got time served as a part of this. So he's probably going to still be in for a couple more years. Um, I, I don't I don't know. Um, that's kind of what they said. Because 41 months is, I mean, almost, it's three and a half years, but he's been in for over a year. So he's going to be a little over two years in federal prison. Maybe he gets out a little bit early. He showed remorse. He feels stupid. I mean, this is this is rough. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, once I'm in jail and, you know, doing my thing, I might start parlaying into a book deal. And, you know, I don't know if I'd have been as apologetic. I'm sorry. I mean, create a brand, dude. You didn't hurt anybody. I don't buy that he was some major instigator because there were a lot of violent people involved that day, some of which it looks like were FBI agents, and some of which were, it looks like were Antifa. But um, long story short, you know, he did about a 30-minute, um, you know, impact statement to the judge, said he was wrong to be there. Um, and the hardest part about this is to know that I'm to blame. So he's taken responsibility. I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, he was in solitary confinement for a while. And so it's been rough. Um, and 
you know, it's, um, and the judge was moved by a speech um, and still referred to what he did was as horrific as you now concede. So, I mean, they wanted him to take a knee and he did. Um, but he has to pay 2000 for damage done and will serve three years of the supervised release at the end of the prison term. So he's, he's on, you know, he's forever going to be a federal felon. He's not the last one, but a lot of these guys are going to end up taking misdemeanor charges or lighter felonies. I predict nobody's going to take anything near insurrection, but that was the generally accepted term by the outrageously psychotic left uh, for over a year now. I'm sorry, for about, what, 10 months. It's disgusting. Not saying he didn't get what he deserved. I don't know the evidence. He, He was stupid. And we can segue that saying the same thing about Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, I can't imagine anybody would think that Kyle should have been where he was just for his own safety. Now, of course, he was carrying AR-15, and as we've seen, there were some people beaten near to death that night by the usual suspects that you see, you know, the heroes that the prosecution referred to in their closing arguments. I mean, there's a man they've interviewed since he's got out of the hospital that should be dead beaten by a mob. You've seen it. It was right outside of some retail store in Kenosha. His crime was probably just being a white male and didn't want to take a knee or didn't want to, you know, praise Shock Muhammad or somebody. And so they beat the shit out of him because that's how these people work. No one beat the shit out of Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, they tried. Three fucked around and found out. Two dead, one missing a bicep. I have no empathy for any of them. Whether or not we knew about their criminal records, which we do, all scumbags, all people that will never contribute positively to society. And frankly, I'm glad they're gone. Of the two dead, one beat and suffocated his wife, and the other was a child rapist, convicted. This guy would specialize in dating single moms so he'd have access to their kids. Good riddance. Now, I agree that's not necessarily, you can't use that as a self-defense Argument, which is what they refer to as an affirmation defense, meaning although the prosecution specifically, they have the burden of proof in a defense strategy like self-defense, you are affirming something. So the defense has a burden of proof there. Some Somebody on Fox explained that quite well today. So it's not something, you know, it's a very proactive defense. And I think they did about as good as they could with the video they had. Now, today, video became the topic, right? The jury asked to see some clips. I don't know how to read into it, okay? Um, But the longer, the general consensus is, the longer they deliberate, once you get past six, seven hours, the worse it gets statistically for the defendant. Um, I don't know why they're asking for video. I'm hoping that this jury realizes that this is all about burden of proof, which is the prosecution has to prove all five counts beyond a reasonable doubt. And that phrase beyond a reasonable doubt should be repeated every few minutes during deliberations. It should be plastered on the wall. If there's an ink board or a drywall, somebody should have written it. I would have first thing Beyond a reasonable doubt, because I want to see if any juror reacts to that, because if someone gets upset, I know I'm going to get them kicked off. We need jurors like that. We have to hope there's one. Seven women, five men. One of the men are African-American. And I'm going to be honest. I don't love the seven women part because I'm not sure. And it could be some of the guys, too. 
their reaction to just seeing the AR-15. Because make no mistake, the AR-15 is on trial. Had Kyle done the same exact things with a Glock, right? With a Beretta. I don't think we're here. Killed two, shot a guy in the arm. I don't think we're here. The AR-15 is why we're here. And we're going to talk about what's so scary because if Kyle is found guilty of one of the five charges, and and every time I think about five charges, any of which, one of these charges is enough to put him in prison for a very long time. Getting him on one charge is a massive, massive victory for the left. It's horrifying what that means. And we're going to talk about this provocation issue. And it didn't make a lot of news last Friday. And I have no problems with this judge. I don't think any good judge is going to do things that pleases one side or the other all the time. Right? A judge is supposed to make sure that the attorneys stay in line, that the jurors hear what they're legally allowed to hear, and that they know what they're there to do. That's the judge's job, right? Keep everything with the rails. And he's had to reprimand the prosecution a few times. And that might factor into something, such as that mistrial I mentioned. We're going to get into that in a second. But first, let's talk about provocation, okay? Now, this happened Friday, and I didn't know what this might mean, but it could be devastating for Rittenhouse. It could be why the jury is asking for video not to confirm their vote for acquittal, but to try to convince a few holdouts. And right, I mean, this could be, we could be in a situation where the majority of the jurors want to convict on five or one or two or three counts. And that there are just a few holdouts who know that the prosecution did not prove this was murder beyond a reasonable doubt and are fighting. And they'll fight as long as they can, and hopefully they don't buckle if that's the case. I would bet, if I had to bet, I'm almost 50-50, but as time goes by, I'm worried this is at best a hung jury or a mistrial. So what are we talking about provocation? The, The judge in the trial said the jury can consider his defense, but he can't say that, and he has to say attack. They can consider that it may have been provoked. Right. So from Reuters, this was November 12th, last Friday, the judge in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse said on Friday, he would instruct the jury they can consider the prosecution's argument that the teenager provoked an encounter with one of two men he fatally shot during protests in Wisconsin. Now, I'm going to assume it's Rosenbaum because their argument with the drone video which is super relevant right now in this mistrial motion by the defense, but the drone video, which was difficult graphically, right? I mean, do people use the term graphically anymore, visually? They got into pixels. There were questions of the person that had touched it up to try to make it better. But this, you know, you can't deny that the video had to be manipulated a bit. And so the prosecution tried to paint a picture of Kyle pointing the weapon first at Rosenbaum, child rapist, And then that's why Rosenbaum charged him in an effort to disarm him. Now, this is a big assumption. Why? Because Rosenbaum isn't here, which I'm glad, to claim either way. Of course, he would say, oh, yeah, I was trying to disarm him. I wanted to save people. Again, this is the guy that the prosecution asserted 
in a way that was dismissal like big deal. And he was talking about how this we have video of Rosenbaum turning over a porta potty. I mean, if somebody was in it, that's fucked up. Burning a trash can, attacking a vehicle in some way. I mean, let's be real. If I'm a juror, I'm like, okay, that's what we have video of. I'm certain that's not the only thing he did. We know he probably didn't try to bang a kid that night because he'd just gotten out of a mental hospital. And I don't know if he had time to cruise any single moms on his way to the peaceful protest in Kenosha. By the way, Joseph Rosenbaum's the whitest guy of the white guys involved in all this justice they were seeking in Kenosha as they destroyed the community. But this ruling that the jury can consider, the judge, I hope, didn't come across as saying, hey, this is you should look at this as a provoked attack. What he did is he made it a topic of discussion. And it, I'm hoping that the jury says, hey, this video that the prosecution showed us is not convincing enough for me to believe that Kyle provoked this guy. The guy that was already being violent all night, right? I mean, being a psychopath is what provoked Rosenbaum, who is one of the two, both dead guys, from what I gather, dropping N-bombs. Now, I guess it's okay if you say that word if you are a white liberal and you're directing it at a white person. See, that's the pass you get when you identify as a modern Democrat, right? If you're a social justice warrior and you're a white guy, probably on occasion you get that pass, right? I don't know if you do in Harlem, right? Hanging out with the brothers, but apparently no one's upset that Rosenbaum, who dropped an N-bomb, got shot. I mean, for me, I thought the left, that would be enough. I could argue it. But no, they give him a pass because they want somebody they painted as a white supremacist Nazi active shooter. That's the argument, right? That Rosenbaum, this heroic figure, was trying to stop an active shooter, just like Gage Grosskreutz tried to claim. What a bunch of BS. If you want to stop an active shooter, you think someone's an active shooter and you have a gun, you can shoot them. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I had a thought today. Look, if Kyle's convicted then it's too bad he wasn't a measured active shooter that night. I'll go on the record saying it. I don't have a problem with looters and people destroying property getting shot. I mean, I'd, I'd shoot somebody attacking my home and sleep fine five minutes later, whether I took their bicep off or I took their life. These are people that aren't going to bring any good to this world, and it's not my job to worry if they might. Because they're violent, they're anti-American, they're lawless, and they're dangerous. And I absolutely, I'm okay with what Kyle did. He shouldn't have been there, but that is not relevant. If we're going to get into who should have been where or shouldn't have, thousands of people, including the three supposed victims, shouldn't have been where they were or doing what they were doing. But this ruling of provocation and telling the jury they can consider that Kyle provoked the attack of one of the two dead, which I'm assuming because of the drone video was Rosenbaum, that the jury then can say, okay, we think it's a provoked attack. Then Kyle's self-defense argument in that particular case of Rosenbaum becomes more difficult. There's more burden on his defense because then they have a given, hey, he provoked the attack, right? And there's a case going on 
right now with the defendant Travis McMichael in Georgia, right? If you remember the Ahmad Arbery shooting, and we, we might have time to get to that or I'll do it tomorrow, but that case just kicked off and the defendant who's being charged with murder took to the stand today. Big time impactful Second Amendment cases going on in parallel right now. And so who knows what this means, but a Fox News legal expert expressed a great deal of concern on behalf of Kyle because the judge said the jury could consider one of his attacks provoked. And if they agree that it's provoked, we got a real problem on that charge of murder because that's enough to put Kyle away forever. I mean, absolutely. Now, because he committed this crime at 17, if he's convicted of only one, maybe two, he could have some parole eligibility maybe in 15, 20 years. Now, not to be negative, not to go down a path I'm concerned we're already down. I think it's possible. There's also some good news because I think this prosecution has been way out of line. And Rittenhouse's lawyers, not too long ago, asked the judge to declare a mistrial over this drone footage. Long story short, we all know how crappy that drone footage was, right? It was difficult to see. Great memes have come out of it. I've shared some on Twitter. Well, apparently, not only was there an accusation that there was a better copy available, because that's one thing, you know, if there's a better copy available, but the prosecution didn't know about it, I don't think we're in a mistrial territory. But what the defense is claiming, that after the cases were closed and the evidence presenting sharing opportunity was done on Saturday, just a few days ago, I don't know why, but the prosecution shared because of discovery, a much better quality video. And there's some circulating side-by-side stills of two different videos going around social media, one being the one we saw in court or you know the jury saw that's really difficult to make out and a significantly better still of what is alleged to be a significantly better and more clear video side-by-side. That's going around. I don't know if it's verified. But what we do know is that the defense, if they'd had this video, would have used it in response to the crap video, I believe. Because if this video, and I don't know if this factors in, but if the judge believes the defense's argument that not only the prosecution intentionally withheld this video, but that this video was held from the defense because it would have helped the defendant, trial's over. That I can say for certain. And the judge has made some interesting warnings. He has not considered that motion for dismissal yet, but it's not the only thing mentioned. In that motion for dismissal, the defense also brings in Binger's attack on Kyle when Kyle's on the stand. What attack am I talking about? Binger, the prosecutor's attack on Kyle Rittenhouse's right to remain silent, his Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate himself. When Kyle talked about not speaking with the Antioch police, Binger really crossed the line. And this is why the judge yelled at him. It was no joke. Because Binger attacked Kyle and insinuated that he had a nefarious reason for not speaking to the police. Huge, massive no-no. Cases worse than this have been tossed with better, significantly better evidence of murder and worse have been thrown out 
because simply someone wasn't read their Miranda rights, right? You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say or do, that whole thing, whatever version you have, federal, civil, county, doesn't matter. They're mostly the same. You better read it and the defendant needs to, or the suspect needs to acknowledge that they understand their rights because then they know, hey, if I say something that can be used against me in a court of law, I am incrim- I could incriminate myself, but I have the right to say nothing, which you see guys in you know congressional hearings all the time plead the fifth. They do it in court. It, you don't have to testify. That's why it's always a risk versus reward move to have the defendant take the stand. OJ did. He was acquitted. Most, I mean, just about everybody I've heard said Kyle did better, did you know, did more to help than hurt himself by taking the stand. But it's always a risk because this gives the prosecutor a chance to trip you up, and they will always use something you said against you, whether it's effective or not. They're going to use something. They're going to try to catch you in a lie because it gives them a chance to attack your credibility. Now, fortunately, with video and everything we have, Kyle's version of the story is not the only version. We had a witness, even for the prosecution, step in it. That would be Gage Grosskortz. I mean, the evidence seemed pretty damn strong going into deliberations that the prosecution had not proved Kyle had murdered anyone or committed any of the five crimes or charges beyond a reasonable doubt. But on the Rittenhouse issue, this is this is different. We're in a different phase. We're in a phase where jurors are more likely to be intimidated by the mob. We're in a phase of trials and cases because these things take a long time to get to court, to get to an actual trial. The media is openly and shamelessly complicit in slanting an entire citizenry against Kyle Rittenhouse or an attempt to. I mean, it doesn't work on us, but innocent till proven guilty is now part of some sick anti-American algorithm. And the founding fathers knew better. And it's a horrifying time. Because I do not believe Kyle Rittenhouse, if convicted, will be convicted because of the evidence against him. I believe if 12 of these jurors, all 12 come back and vote to convict on any of the five charges, it is because many had made up their mind for political and ideological reasons before they even heard a word in court because of what they've read for so long, because of what they read and saw from the mainstream press before they were even selected to be a juror. But not only that, the fear. Because not all 12 came in with bias. I'm sure some came in, I kind of hope now, with bias the other way. But who's going to hold up knowing? We all know, you know, these, these stories of Kenosha braces, National Guard's there for a verdict. They're not there for a fucking, quote, verdict. They're there for an acquittal. The National Guard is there to respond if Rittenhouse is acquitted. There will be no widespread damage or riots if he's convicted. There might be some single outburst, but you better believe that that community will burn again if Rittenhouse is acquitted of all charges or if there is a hung jury or if there is a mistrial declared. Anything that doesn't result in what the mob wants, which is a I mean, harshest possible conviction, they're going to flip that switch. Our side won't flip that kind of switch. We'll be pissed. We'll have to accept it, and we have to be better than the other side. We always do. For not just being a better person, but at least we know the independents, the people that may not be, I don't know how that is, on one side or the other, they're watching. 
And it's wrong. Not one of these jurors should be considering it. And I don't want to throw them under the bus. We have no idea what they're going to come back with tomorrow. And I anticipate unless there's some delay. And if they're able to start deliberating at 9 a.m., even with some extra video they're going to watch in the courtroom with the judge, I think we're going to have, you know, some kind of decision on all five charges tomorrow. We might have a mistrial mid-morning with prejudice. The, the prosecution has to come back, and that's what the judge said. He's not going to consider it this motion until he's heard from the prosecution. I don't think they, you know, they're going to make their argument tomorrow. They're going to spend a lot of time, unless they have something simple that closes the books on why they didn't share a better quality video that they had earlier with the defense. And I don't think the judge will buy some, well, this video wasn't available. We just had it touched up in evidence. And he's not buying that. He's not buying it. If at any moment he believes they used a lower quality video in an effort to make the case stronger against Kyle, the trial is going to be over because they're already on thin ice with the Fifth Amendment attack. And I'll take it because I don't think the kid did anything wrong. Do I think he was smart for being there? No, I'm, I'm always saying that just because I'm tired of that damn argument. Should or shouldn't be there. It's irrelevant. It's not relevant. Matthew Modine tweeted, why is he wearing gloves? I mean, the guy, these people are just immune to information. Kyle was helping people medically throughout the night. Well, some stupid angle the prosecution took, Binger took on how he slung his weapon while he was helping people, and Kyle handled it very well. But Matthew Modine, famed actor, Vision Quest, was probably the best thing, last thing he made. That was like circa 1983. But Modine's tweet, I mean, these guys, you got to see it. They love being considered smart. And they have no concept of why the mob even gives them the time of day outside of watching their shit that comes out of Hollywood. But this guy, Modine's claiming the gloves were somehow because they show that Kyle had premeditated this. This was his plan. And was he trying to hide fingerprints? The fuck, dude? There's a picture. What? What, what is he? No one fingerprinted the weapon. Kyle went to the cops. He didn't hide it. And we found that the weapon was legal, which I believe, I don't know if I shared this yesterday, I think the defense did a great job with that one because they could have motioned before the jury was selected. They could have had a motion in to get that charge thrown out, could have brought in the rifle, they could have measured it, and that measurement fit in line with what a 17-year-old can carry in the state of Wisconsin. But what they did, I, I'm sure it was intentional, so they got incredibly lucky. They let that charge hang till the very, very end. And when they challenged it, they knew they had the, they knew. And no dumbass on the prosecution or in our great media, right, the fourth branch of government, enemy of the people, Trump was right. Not one did the research. Over a year went by with all of these people, their argument started, Kyle carried an illegal weapon. What the defense did is they let Binger walk right into that trap. Binger built most of his arguments when he presented on behalf of the prosecution. Most of it was built or started with first Kyle, why was he there? And he was there carrying a gun illegally. Judge tossed it. And I thought it was great that he tossed it 
after the prosecution assumed that was a legitimate charge. So they kicked out a few of the cards in the House of Cards that Binger built with that one. So that was a great move. So it hasn't all gone bad for Kyle at all. I mean, this provocation thing might not be bad. I might be overthinking that. I wouldn't have even caught it had a legal analyst not brought that in to focus today. I spent a lot of time keeping up and catching up with this case today. And it was it concerned me when she she made a great point. She said, this is something they're allowed to discuss and decide on. And I don't think it's a vote. I think some of the people can say, okay, I think he provoked him. Others in the jury can say that they don't. Well, it's certainly if you think he provoked the attack, you're going to need a lot to believe that he defended himself when he squeezed off against Rosenbaum. But I guess I just say attaboy Kyle. Um, moving on, and we'll be here tomorrow. I will wait and try to get with you guys. I'll do a podcast almost immediately or as soon as I can after the jury comes back um, with a decision. Fantastic victory for, I don't know, us in the Constitution. OSHA suspends enforcement of COVID-19 vaccine mandate for large businesses. Now, a lot of these businesses went over their skis. This mandate was not going to be in effect until January 4th, 2022. And that seems suspect because supposedly we're in this crisis, state of emergency, but we'll wait till after the holidays before we mandate your businesses vaccine everybody. Well, the moment they even announced this was happening, Paxton of Texas, the lieutenant governor of Texas, and a number of um, attorneys from states across the country sued. And, and this turned out to be what looks like a bluff by the idiots at OSHA, the Biden administration, the CDC, all of these goons. Because I think they knew likely that they had no chance in court. They knew they didn't have a chance in court. And I don't know what they thought they were doing other than trying to see, well, maybe they won't sue us. Maybe they won't fight it. Where the fuck are you, pal? Where are you guys at? Are you paying attention? We're going to fight everything. Nothing you do will be trusted at this point. You don't. You have not earned that trust at all. Fauci on down. And so they they throw this mandate out that is going to start in January. It gets taken to court. It it gets put. It gets locked down by one district. Shut down. Stayed. And they pulled it today. All that for a bunch of bullshit. Because they wanted to test the waters. We have. I mean, great testing the waters with communist-like policy. That's fantastic. So they got, it's a big loss. It's another one. It's a big L for Biden. All he's done is he signed his consolation infrastructure bill and his really weird treasury secretary today, Yellen, if you ever hear her speak, knowing she's in charge of our money is pretty horrifying. She said that we, we will default. The government will default December 15th. Right now we don't have a 2022 budget passed. They just passed a bridge, right? To get us to mid December so that, Federal workers and people are getting paid. Projects continue. Now they just added $1.2 trillion in infrastructure. We talked about it yesterday. That doesn't support any border security. But, you know, a lot of businesses came out with these COVID vaccine requirements, assuming that a mandate that hadn't been enacted yet was the law of the land, which is pretty scary. So you've got people at Southwest Airlines, for example, I've talked to them recently. They were waiting on this. They knew they didn't want to get the vaccine. They don't have a problem with it. They just don't want to. They have their own reasons. It's their right. And they were worried. Well, Southwest said, hey, we're not going to enforce it. I don't think they would have enforced it after January 4th. They'd probably just taken the fine. Well, now there's nothing that they have to enforce. It goes away. I mean, 
if somebody out there had a professional gun to their head, I know of companies that had deadlines in October, November 1st of people needing to be fully vaccinated, right? Large businesses. This was for large businesses, I believe 100 employees or more, which isn't very large. Um, these companies mandated it. They assumed it was law of the land. Now it's not. If so, if you've got an employee that you told you have to go get a vaccine, not because we want you to, because the law backs us and they're telling us, and then that law doesn't actually exist, and that employee has an adverse issue or a problem like myocarditis, which has been documented, not only for the vaccine, but for people with COVID too. Uh, that's a big fat lawsuit, big one. Um, and I'm sure these companies, they have their own lawyers that should have looked at this and said, you know, we should wait till January 4th. But you go out to like Silicon Valley, companies like that, that jumped on this. They're the most liberal of the liberal. They loved just the mention of Savior Biden mandating this. And they, they just assumed, oh, he's, so these are people that like a monarchy, right? It's weird. We're learned how, you know, during COVID and right now we're learning how many Americans would prefer like a ruling family, like one that actually made the decisions. I mean, I think if 30 million, 30% of Americans would vote to enshrine Barack Obama as king for the rest of his life, they would. So it's no wonder you have people saying that the burden to prove treason is way too specific. I see that all over Twitter. Like they want it to be easier to charge and convict somebody of treason. All because they're not getting that out of the January 6th hearings. These are your neighbors. These people are out there. And they are not our friends. They are absolutely our enemies. Um, and I just it's horrifying. Something went down uh, regarding a um, Arizona Republican who was censured today and removed from his two committees. So the House of Representatives voted two Republicans, not surprising, Kinzinger and uh, Liz Cheney, who were really, I mean, Liz Cheney was like kicked out of the Republican Party by Wyoming Republicans. So I don't know what she is. I mean, she call herself whatever she wants. Um, but the House voted to censure some, this guy. It hadn't happened in 10 years. I mean, he put together some video, I haven't seen it, that it shows him or somebody like killing AOC. That's crossing the line. I need to know more, but if I had to choose, I'd probably say he should be censored. It doesn't, but here's the thing. You know, Kevin McCarthy, Republican, argued this today during the hearing to discuss this. It's a double standard, right? The Democrats have done things like this. No one was censured. I'm not going to go into this too much, but it happened. Um, it's newsworthy. I'll look, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Pick which hill you die on. In this climate, these guys in elected office shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, is it a double standard? Welcome to our world, right? Welcome. He's a white male Republican. Was he going to think he's going to get the same protections as someone, I don't know, like Kamala Harris? Well, we got some time. Let's talk about five reasons why Kamala Harris or Harris's presidential dreams probably won't come true. Right now, her current approval ratings are 28%. What a fantastic shot of reality for one of the biggest losers in politics in the history of the Democratic Party. Yes, Kamala Harris. She's racking up trophies that only the incredibly stupid could win. And so, um, I mean, you got like New York Times and people, I mean, no one wants to be around her. She's more nuclear than Joe Biden. And that's an accomplishment. She's condescending. When she speaks, everybody cringes. Even the people who say she's great, they're cringing. You have to understand, super liberal women 
and a lot of the BLM types have gone all in with her. They've got no one else to bet on. They did it all for Kamala. They're, they were more excited about her. They just looked at Joe Biden as a fucking, you know, doormat for her to step on as she became and was coronated the first female president. Remember, Hillary was supposed to be coronated. That was a coronation. This was not going to be an election, right? And Trump ruined it. We ruined it. And it's a great accomplishment, and we should still be proud of it. Seeing her lose is hard to replace. Now, seeing Kamala Harris lose might be just as fun, maybe more. Because as time goes by, I'm more annoyed by her every day. She's just, I mean, she's impossible. And apparently CNN, in a piece they wrote, I talked about it, they said her office is, quote, exasperation and dysfunction. That's the title. Inside Kamala Harris's frustrating start as vice president. They're using frustrating instead of fucked up, shitty, disastrous, because frustrating implies that we should all want her to do well. I don't want her to do well because I know what she believes. Of course, I want her to fail. It goes back to what Russ Limbaugh said about Barack Obama. I'm not saying I want the president to fail unless I know the president is a communist. Or in Kamala Harris's case, the vice president is a complete idiot. I don't want idiots to succeed in getting what they want because they want stupid shit. They're idiots. But let's go down the list. Number five, America and Kamala Harris will continue to suffer from bad policy decisions in the next three years. Of course, we're stuck, right? Biden's approval ratings, I don't think are going to see even a little tiny spike after he signed the infrastructure bill. They practically hit it. Number four, Kamala Harris's rough start. We all know it. She can't speak to anybody without sounding like a stupid kindergarten teacher, right? I mean, her ratings were already in the 40s in, in the beginning. She had a decent start. She was given a total gift because she's a, what's she, a female of color. Because someday she's Indian, someday she's black. Apparently when she's in Paris, she's French with a really condescending accent. But Biden's ratings don't help her. But I think part of Biden's ratings are the anchor, Kamala Harris. Um, people have been saying, there's other stories, Politico said a while ago, her office is not a healthy environment. I mean, she's got people working for her that are probably halfway intelligent. I mean, they're liberals. So how smart can they be? But I'm certain they're smarter than she is. And this is probably something you have to put up with. When you work for someone like Kamala Harris, you cannot question her or make her feel like she is wrong for half a second. These are the entitled women of liberalism, and they are entitled based on things they didn't earn. She was born a woman. She was born her race, half black, half Indian, supposedly. She didn't earn it, but yet that is what she carries into the room as supposedly something we should automatically respect. I don't give a shit what you look like, how you were born. I want to hear what you have to say. And when we get to that moment with Kamala Harris, it's absolute trash. Um, It is... She's taking criticism, rightfully so. This is the woman that was put in charge of the border and she's never visited. Okay? We know there are kids in cages now in there, Biden cages, because she knows she can't have any kind of impact. She doesn't know what she's doing. They promoted a woman who got to where she was in California because she had a sexual relationship with the mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown, who has told everybody it happened. When you look at pictures of the two, it's pretty obvious. Ask Monica. Number three, don't expect Harris's fortunes to change. 
Harris didn't enter the Iowa caucus in 2020 because she was not popular among Democrats. She was so bad coming out of the gate in the primary, she was actually unable to get more than 7% from California, the state where she was senator. Um, It's a disaster. Um, She got out of the race, I think, before Eric Swalwell had to get out. I don't even talk about him. If you don't remember him, I actually think you shouldn't even look him up. Her time as California's attorney general was marked by prosecu- prosecutorial overreach controversies, right? This lady put more black people in jail, right, than the Confederates did during the Civil War. All in all, Harris is simply in over her head. Right? This article goes on and on. Number two, Kamala Harris's shrinking base. The base is a bunch of stupid people. The base is women who are desperate for a woman to be president, and they don't care who it is. The problem with her being vice president is it put a lot more light of day on her than when she was senator, right? Especially because everybody wanted that on her side, not me. Now, actually, I do. I want Kamala to be in front of the microphone as much as possible. I knew she was stupid. I know smart people that were super excited. I think they're smart about her outfits. Yes, women, your people were excited about how she looked and stepped off a plane after they won the election, supposedly. That's where we were. I mean, she's a moron in a pantsuit, okay? And this idea that she looks stunning, I mean, okay. I mean, you can find some people that might. You can imply what I mean by might. I ain't one of them. I don't care how, how well the pantsuit fits. Um, but this is just insane. And so her base is people do not want anyone to remember that he said good things about Kamala Harris as far as her potential as vice president, God forbid, president. The Democrat, number one, is the Democrats' overriding desire to win. Well, they probably had an overriding desire to have a better vice presidential candidate than Kamala Harris. I mean, this people on the inside that were around her have been hearing her speak just because there was nothing recording it. So they are probably not surprised that people are learning that she's an idiot. These people that have had to work around her and for her, can you imagine, have known she was stupid in a stuffed shirt, lacking substance for years. Well, Biden opened his mouth. She's the one they went with. Don't doubt that a lot of people are going to support her because she is a female of color. But this idea that the Democrats, this is the number one, their overriding desire to win. Democrats will want to hold the White House more than ever in 2024. Yeah, especially if what happens, what we think will happen in 2022 with Congress. Uh, Severely weakened Harris, even if she is president by then, won't fill that bill for him. God, she would, I mean, my God, whoever runs has to be her if she's the nominee. And I think she'd be great as a nominee for us. She sucks in a debate. She sucks. Some say that was why she was saddled with the border crisis and why her visibility is so low now, meaning they they don't want her. I think the Democrats are going to distance themselves for her and hope she just gets the picture. Guess what, Democrats? You clearly don't know what these liberal women in power are like. They may be a lot of things, but self-aware isn't one of them. They bring entitlement with that pantsuit because they're a woman, let alone being a woman of color. Because she's a woman and because there is supposedly a glass ceiling, you are to support her. And if you don't, you are sexist and in Kamala Harris's case, racist. Just like if you were against Barack Obama, at least for his first term, you were racist. It wasn't because you didn't like his policies or what he did. How dare you? 
How dare you criticize and go against a black man? That's racist. That's Kamala Harris's shield. That's what she brings in the room. And the Democrats are going to have to get over that themselves. I don't know if they're going to make that level of a course correction before all of these players start jackling for the presidency. We know Beto O'Rourke's not. God, he might. All he does is run for office when, you know, what's his name in Texas? The guy, yeah, Abbott shreds him in 2022. I think that'll happen. What's O'Rourke going to do? Well, Democrats love a loser. He'll probably get support to run for president again. God only knows. Um, we'll close with Travis McMichael, the defendant. If you remember, this guy ran home, got his dad, and Ahmad Arbery was in the neighborhood. Ahmad Arbery is on videotape on construction sites that had stolen property, expensive equipment. Ahmad's walking through case in the joint. Ahmad Arbery was a criminal. And Ahmad Arbery was stopped by Travis McMichael and his dad. And I don't know what they planned to do. I guess it was a citizen's arrest. And Ahmad Arbery attacked Travis, clearly tried to take his shotgun. Travis shot him. It killed him. Killed Arbery. It's an interesting case because we have the same kind of thing going on with Rittenhouse. I don't know. Um, Now, should Travis McMichael have chased this guy down and taken justice into his own hands? No. But at the moment in question, which is when he confronted Arbery, should Arbery have tried to take the weapon away? And are we, I mean, at that point, is McMichael supposed to let him? What Arbery's a known criminal. What do you think he's going to do when he has that shotgun? Well, um, if I'm on the jury, based on what I'm seeing, I'm not convicting Travis McMichael of murder. I don't know what other charges are there, but if I see someone trying to take a weapon, no. But we shall see. And don't, don't, don't question, don't doubt that if Rittenhouse, God forbid, is convicted of anything, that that is going to influence and empower the jury if there's a majority already thinking they want to convict Travis McMichael of murder for shooting Ahmaud Arbery. So we'll follow that case as well. Thank you for listening. It was a good show. I hope I enjoyed it. I learn a lot as I read through this stuff and try to critically think of it or at least pretend to sound like I'm critically thinking of it. Again, really appreciate you guys listening. God bless. I will be back tomorrow with I hope and pray is an episode celebrating the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse. We shall see. Take care.